Story Hour Audio Adventures presents Bluebeard the Pirate, Chapter 1, First Mate Bluebeard the Pirate was not, in fact, a pirate. Nor was his name actually Bluebeard. His real name was Errol Abigail, a name for which he had not yet forgiven his parents. As soon as he was of age, he legally changed his name to Bluebeard, middle name The, last name Pirate. Yo, Bluey! Bluebeard! Bluebeard the Pirate. Yar, Captain. Here I be, present and accounted for. Don't call me Captain. Now look. Stop your wool gathering and get to work. Finish with the bread. There are ten loaves to bake, and don't forget the rolls. The Black Death sailed into port last night. They'll be looking to fill their pantry today. I want them to buy their provisions from us this time. Those pirates pay well for their food. And Bluebeard, put away the hook. <sighs> Aye, Captain. Bluebeard lifted his right arm. Instead of a hand, a long, curved metal hook emerged from the sleeve. It shone silver as Bluebeard looked at it appraisingly, checking for marks or dents in the perfect finish. Finally, Bluebeard stretched his arm until his hand was visible, holding tight to a wooden handle affixed to the hook. He had gone to a lot of trouble to have the hook fashioned, and had endured endless teasing from the neighborhood's blacksmith, but it had been worth it. He was not, however, allowed to wear the hook while working at the bakery, as it punctured the bread dough. He placed the hook under the counter. Bluebeard sighed and turned to a large clay bowl sitting on a wide wooden table. He had mixed the flour, sugar, water, and yeast the day before. During the night, the yeast had grown, and the bread dough now filled the bowl near to overflowing. Using a large knife, Bluebeard sliced off a chunk of the bread dough and dropped it on the table. A furtive glance confirmed the boss wasn't looking, and Bluebeard clamped the knife between his teeth as he kneaded the dough. Bluebeard grinned around the knife. Wait until the pirates from the Black Death saw him now. He'd worn his best pirate pants, and white his shirt with the puffiest sleeves. The eye patch he wore had been painted with a very fierce-looking skull. When the captain of the Black Death saw Bluebeard this time, he would be sure to recruit the young baker immediately. Bluebeard's only regret was that he still had two good solid legs. He hoped someday to have a run-in with a great white shark and finally get that peg leg he had always wanted. Bluebeard's father had been a pirate. When he was younger, his father had regaled him with stories of adventure on the high seas. As first mate to the wandering Arbuckle, his father had found buried treasure, fought sea monsters, and battled evil pirates. When his father had died at sea during a hurricane, Bluebeard had sworn he too would become a pirate and continue on in his father's name. Army hearties, what can I be doing for you today? Hello, young man. I would like a loaf of bread, please. Of course, madame. Will there be anything else for ye? Mom, can I have a cookie, please? Oh, Johnny, we can't waste our money on treats. Bluebeard, can I have a cookie? What? You be wanting a free cookie? Why don't you just be asking for me gold doubloons? I should be stringing you up over the yard arm, you scurvy knave. <laughs> Never before have I heard such cheek. I'd sooner have you walk on the plank before I be handing over one of these delicious cookies. As he hollered at the boy, Bluebeard reached down and palmed a cookie. He turned his back to the boy and allowed him to grab the treat from his outstretched hand. Thank you, Bluebeard. <clears throat> Thank you, Bluebeard the pirate. Bluebeard returned to his bread dough as the customers left the store. The boss returned from the back room under a pile of rolls and danishes and began to place them carefully in bins for the expected morning rush. Don't give away all of our treats, eh? Our captain. The bell rang again as another customer entered. Bluebeard turned and prepared his usual ahoy there greeting, but the words stuck in his throat when he saw who had entered the store. The captain of the Black Death cut an impressive figure. He was a big, powerful-looking man, so tall he had to bend down to pass through the doorway. Beneath the worn, tri-cornered hat, the captain's black eyes blazed with fiery rage. His mouth was formed in a permanent scowl, though it was hard to see through the thick, massive red curls that covered his jaw. His eyes flicked contemptuously around the bakery, before settling on Bluebeard the pirate. Arr, Captain Redbeard, sir, what can I be doing for you today, sir? You can scurry to the back like the bilge rat you are and fetch the proprietor of the store. Bluebeard looked to open his mouth to speak, but a warning glare from the red-bearded giant closed it again. Bluebeard returned to the back of the store to fetch his boss. 
Redbeard, sir. It is an unexpected honor to have you in our shop today. What can I get for you? It would truly be a thrill to provide the provisions for your grand vessel. I'll be wanting 200 loaves of bread and 300 rolls. We're shipping out soon, so I want it all delivered to the Black Death tonight. Uh, tonight? That will be very difficult, sir, with so little notice. But I will provide what you requested as ordered, sir. Um, would you like to make payment now or upon delivery? The honor of feeding the captain and the crew with the Black Death will be payment enough. But I, but I, I can't afford to just give my wares away. Would you prefer the cost of rebuilding your little shop when I burn it to the ground? Oh, no, sir. It will be my pleasure to provide you and your crew. Th um, thank you, sir. The imposing figure turned to leave, but Bluebeard tugged timidly at his sleeve. You're there, Captain. I wonder if I might have a word with ye. Redbeard turned to glare down at the baker. Well, sir, I was hoping you might be noticing my piratey attire today, and that you might consider taking me on as one of your crew aboard the Black Death. I work hard. I know I'd be a great value to you if I'd given a chance, sir. Redbeard glowered at him for a moment, and then, without a word, turned to leave. Uh, sir... I'm a capable pirate, sir. Just give me the chance. The captain turned abruptly and pointed a dirty stub of a finger at the baker. You are not a pirate. You're not worthy to scrape the barnacles from the bottom of the lowest fishing boat on the harbor. You think dressing in a puffy shirt and talking like some brain-damaged diver makes you a pirate? You know nothing. A pirate is about taking what's yours and making it mine. A pirate is about stealing every last bit of gold from any sucker they find be it an honest merchant or a lowly thief. You will never set sail on my ship, because I jettison the garbage before I leave port. With that, the red-bearded captain turned and strode out the door, leaving Bluebeard standing alone in the shop. The next morning, bright and early, the bakery opened its doors for business. Early morning shoppers crowded in, vying for the very few loaves of bread available in the store that morning. Never heard was the usual argmy-hearties as the people entered the bakery, as Bluebeard the pirate did not show up for work this morning. Later on, when the worst of the morning rush was over, Bluebeard slowly walked into the bakery and stood before his boss. Arr, Captain. What happened to you this morning? You've never been late for work before. I've come to tender me resignation, Captain. Oh, stop calling me, Captain. What are you talking about? I'm leaving the bakery. I'm off to become a pirate and seek me fortune. If I can't join up with Redbeard, then I'll strike out on me own. Get me own ship and me own crew. The high seas can be a dangerous place. Are you sure you know what you're doing? I can't be spending the rest of my life here in the bakery, when all I think about is becoming a pirate. I don't want to do this. I have to do this. Me father was a pirate, and I will be too. I'll make him proud. Well, good luck with you then. You'll always have a place to hang your hat here at the bakery. Goodbye, Captain. Bluebeard turned and walked out of the store. His heart pounded and his legs felt stiff and wooden as though someone else was causing them to move, but he forced himself to keep walking till he was out of sight of the bakery. He then sat on a barrel at the side of a busy street to collect his thoughts. Captain Redbeard's words had cut him deeply. He always thought of himself a worthy pirate. He had studied hard, reading every pirate book he could find. He knew the seven ways to tame a giant squid. He could tie a knot that could withstand the force of a hurricane. His father had taught him the pirate code until he could recite it from memory. A pirate true will always find, treasure of each and every kind. A sturdy ship you can depend, a crew that you can call your friend. Adventures found upon the sea, when you strive for all you can be. He would become a pirate. He was actually going to do it. So why were his palms sweating and his knees ready to buckle? All these years of dreaming and scheming while he worked at the bakery, becoming a pirate sounded easy. He would join up with Redbeard and learn the piratey trade at his side. The famous pirate captain would see how talented Bluebeard was and within months would make him first mate, second in command of the entire pirate ship. He had never imagined that Redbeard would fail to see the untapped potential in the young baker. How could he become a pirate all by himself? Bluebeard had no idea how he was to go about getting a pirate ship and a crew, but he was convinced that once he did, the treasure and the adventure would take care of itself. The parrot would be easy, Bluebeard thought. The marketplace on a busy Saturday morning should be fair teeming with pirates for sale. That would be the place to start, Bluebeard thought. 
He stood and straightened his doublet before inserting himself into the rush of shoppers headed for the marketplace. Bluebeard loved the marketplace. Despite the small size of this harbor town, the town square boasted a very large assortment of shops and stalls. The actual shops lining the square specialized in larger items for sale, such as equipment and larger supplies for the sailing vessels. The spacious open square in the center of these shops was filled to capacity by hundreds of stalls. Each stall was more like a handcart, topped with a colorful awning to keep off the rain, and filled with a wide variety of goods for sale. Trading ships from India and Africa brought spices and textiles and all manner of fascinating trinkets. Bluebeard rarely missed a chance to spend time at the marketplace. He found the stalls endlessly fascinating. He sampled the exotic foods from around the world and contemplated purchasing many of the little trinkets and knickknacks he found there. This time, however, he had a mission. Somewhere, nestled among the throng of carts and shoppers, someone must be selling a parrot. Bluebeard only had a little money, savings from his hard work at the bakery. Hopefully, he could find a suitable bird with a few pieces of eight in his pocket. After some time wandering the marketplace, though, Bluebeard had nearly given up hope. Finally, he found a merchant with animals for sale, tucked back in the dark corner of the marketplace. Crates sprouting tufts of hay were stacked in a precarious fashion alongside the cart. Many of the boxes shifted slightly as the animals shuffled and scraped inside their prisons. Faded letters painted on a rough piece of driftwood advertised animals for sale, though Bluebeard couldn't tell if they were meant as pets or dinner. Bluebeard looked at the merchant sitting in a low stool beside the cart. A mass of dirty, crusted cloth covered an equally dirty pile of wrinkles and skin. Two beady black eyes peered out from beneath a single bushy eyebrow. Uh, excuse me, sir. I be looking for a hearty bird to sit upon me shoulder while navigating the treacherous seas. Oh, sir, you say? You cut me to the quick, you do. I'd be a fine example of womanhood but for too many years at sea. The harsh seas and harsher wind have taken a toll on me, beauty, you know. If you're thinking on asking for me hand in marriage, you best hurry, though. You might want to snatch me up before I lose my good tooth. The wizened woman crackled harshly to herself and thrust a fetid chunk of jerky in her mouth, her single tooth ripping the meat into strips. Bluebeard was quick to stammer an apology. Oh, oh, uh, terribly sorry, ma'am. I, I didn't mean to insult, of course. Do you have a fine parrot that would accompany me on long voyages across the sea? Aye, that I do have for you. A fine bird to compliment the puffy shirt you be wearing. But I warn you, this bird may be too dangerous for you. Uh, why? Is it mean? Does it does it bite? The wizened woman scratched under her armpit. No, no. This bird once belonged to the famed pirate Captain Redbeard. Lived in his cabin for near on twenty years. Learned every secret Redbeard ever had. If Redbeard ever found out this parrot still lived, he would destroy this entire town to be rid of it. I have kept it hidden for two years for fear of being found out. Haven't slept a proper night since I found the bird. Ruins me beauty sleep. <laughs> You'd be doing me a favor by taking it off me hands. Well, dangerous or not, I do need a parrot. Can I see the little critter before I buy him? No, I can't let you see it now, when so many of Redbeard's crew are around. Three pieces of eight and the bird is yours. You can let it out of the crate once you're far from here. Bluebeard thought for a moment. His father had warned him never to buy sight unseen, but this was the only parrot Bluebeard had seen all day. Also, it tickled him a bit at the idea of owning something that the famed Redbeard the pirate once owned. It would be like having a piece of that pirate's success. Redbeard's old parrot perched on his shoulder had to be good luck. Bluebeard paid the old woman her three pieces of eight, and balancing the crate on his shoulder, headed back to his home. <laughs> the sounds of the marketplace muffled the cackling sound of the old woman's laughter as he left. Bluebeard fumbled with the lock to his room, trying to unlock the door while balancing the crate on one knee. He lived in a small shed attached to the side of a fish factory, and it belched an oily smoke that bathed the place with an odor of old socks. Finally, the old iron door swung open and Bluebeard carried his prize into the room. The old fish factory itself was weather-beaten and dirty, but once inside, Bluebeard's room was immaculately kept. An old oak desk found in a narrow alleyway sat against the wall topped with parchment, a quill, and an old oil lamp. On the other side of the room lay a low cot covered with thick quilts. Bluebeard fairly danced as he pulled on this long twine encircling the crate. His first day to becoming a pirate and he already had a parrot. A parrot once belonging to the great Redbeard, no less, 
He was so excited his fingers slipped and fumbled over the knots holding the crate closed. Finally, the string fell away and Bluebeard lifted the lid on his new pride and joy. A wrinkled old bird peered blurrily out of the box. The bird had lost all of its beautiful plumage. It was naked but for a single scarlet feather still attached to the top of his head like a ship's mast. It had in all likelihood been stuck in this crate for years. The top only opened occasionally for food and water. Carefully, Bluebeard reached a hand into the crate. Immediately, the featherless creature ran to Bluebeard's outstretched fingers and snuggled into his hand. It almost seemed to smile as he rubbed his little naked head against Bluebeard's palm. Well, what do we have here, poor little guy? Come on out now. I'll be taking care of ye. Bluebeard lifted the parrot from the crate and held up his arm so the bird could walk up to his shoulder. There it stood, stretching one wing and one leg, then shifting weights and stretching the other side. The almost translucent skin was pulled taut over the thin bones and tendons. Once comfortable, the bird looked around and gave an experimental, rusty, Ah! There ya be. A bit of food and sunshine, you'll be right in no time. Bluebeard felt an unexpected parental attachment to the bald bird. The poor thing was so thin and meager looking it might blow away in a stiff breeze, but it was still the first member of his crew. Well, as I'll be the captain of this here crew, I guess that'll make you first mate. Ah! Well said, mate. Well, now we all be needing a good ship beneath our feet. The bird suddenly stood ramrod straight on Bluebeard's shoulder, then hunched his shoulders in a menacing manner, a perfect imitation of Redbeard's hulking posture. When the bird opened his mouth to talk, Redbeard's gruff baritone emerged. Cease fire, Mr. Smithy. Let us not destroy this fine vessel. Imprison the crew and leave the dirty bludgeon hidden here in Cutthroat Bay. One day we'll have need for a good ship beneath our feet, and this one will make a fine addition to our fleet. The bird then slumped and began chewing gently on a curled claw. Well, mate, seems you've been listening on old Redbeard's conversations. No wonder he's so desperate to find ye. This was a tremendous break, he thought. He had been a little unsure in how he would find himself a pirate ship and a crew, but a perfectly usable pirate ship, just sitting in the bay for him to use? Here was an opportunity too good to miss. Bluebeard eased a parrot off his shoulder and placed him on the desk as he prepared for bed. He pulled his doublet and puffy sleeve shirt over his head. He heard scrabbling noises as claws slid and slipped over hard ground, and when he looked back, the bird was nestling itself in Bluebeard's pillow, twisting this way and that, reveling in the downy comfort of the pillow. <sighs> oh, we'd be sharing, are we? Well, you better not snore. Bluebeard lay down, careful not to squish the toothpick of the first mate. The bird sighed and nestled in close to the crook of the pirate's shoulder. Well, mate, we'll be heading off to Cutthroat Bay in the morning. See if we can't find this ship of yours, eh? The little bird was already asleep. Mate, it turned out, did snore. Very loudly, too, for such a tiny creature. Unable to sleep, Bluebeard slipped out of the bed and sat at his desk, poring over maps of the coastline, planning his route. Finally, the sun rose and beamed through the mud-splattered window to light upon the tiny bird sprawled on the pillow. The sudden warmth stirred the sleeping creature, and it flapped its chicken-bone wings as it dreamed of soaring high above the jungle. Once awake, he yawned mightily and stretched his tiny wings and then scrabbled off the pillow and onto the floor, where it stood at Bluebeard's feet, shivering in the cool morning air. Bluebeard leaned over and picked up the scrap of skin and bones and placed it on his shoulder. Good morning, mate. Next time you'll be sleeping outside, eh? After a meager breakfast, Bluebeard and his first mate left their shack to search for their own pirate ship. Cutthroat Bay was several hours' walk, so as they passed through the marketplace, they bought a small supply of food. Mate was thrilled to be out after being cooped up for so long, and stood proudly on Bluebeard's shoulder. The featherless parrot seemed to attract a lot of attention. Children laughed and followed Bluebeard through the marketplace. They all seemed very taken with the little bird and tossed him scraps of food. The children howled with laughter as the parrot jumped to catch a piece of bread, flapping its naked wings frantically as it caught each scrap of food. Excuse me, sir. Bluebeard looked down at the little waif and dirty rags at his feet. She held a dirty tattered doll in one hand. Your parrot is cold, sir. The little girl held up a scrap to Bluebeard. After a moment, he realized that it was a dress pulled from her doll. Take it, sir. Your bird is cold. Bluebeard smiled at the little girl and took the dress. Carefully, he pulled the dress over the parrot's head and fit the little chicken bone wings through the sleeves. Despite its ragged appearance, the dress was soft and warm and perfectly fit the little bird. The children cheered. Why, thank you, little miss. I'm sure little mate appreciates what you've done. The bird suddenly stiffened and stood tall on Bluebeard's shoulder. 
He then hunched over in a posture not unlike the pirate Redbeard, menacing despite the little doll dress. You failed me for the last time, Parker. I will not let this transgression go unpunished. Do you realize what you've done? How menacing can I be when I'm wearing underwear with little hearts on it? What were you thinking? Don't you have any underwear with little anchors or pirate flags on them? Mate slumped down again and returned to preening his new outfit. The children roared with laughter at the bird's wonderful impersonation of the pirate Redbeard, but Bluebeard was not amused. If word got back to Redbeard that the bird knew all of his inner secrets and was blabbing them all in the middle of a crowded marketplace, he would make life very dangerous indeed for them all. Bluebeard would have been even more worried if he had noticed two begrimed pirates watching the featherless bird intently from beneath ragged tri-corner hats. After a few moments, they nodded excitedly in agreement and slipped quietly back into the shadowed alleyway. After several hours of walking, Bluebeard and Mate arrived at Cutthroat Bay. It was hardly a little dent in the coastline, barely worthy of being called a bay. The cutthroat part was accurate enough, though, as this was famously the site of a vicious battle between pirates. Many years ago, the crew of the Devil's Sword had mutinied and tossed their captain overboard. The captain of the pirate vessel had snuck back on board in the dead of night and exacted his revenge before scuttling the ship and sinking it to the bottom of the bay. Even now, the rotted mast of the Devil's Sword poked its head above the water during low tide, a grim reminder of the consequence of betraying a pirate captain. Bluebeard stood on the beach, mate on his shoulder, the tide washing his leather boots. There is no sign of the pirate ship Redbeard has spoken of. The rocky shore in which Bluebeard stood followed the outline around the bay till it rose up on the far side into high cliffs that towered over the water. Aside from the remnant of the Devil's Sword sitting lonely in the middle of the bay, there was no sign of another ship. Indeed, there is no sign of anything made by man, pirate or otherwise. Bluebeard cast a disappointed glance at the parrot. Are you steering me wrong there, first mate? Is the dirty bludgeon supposed to be here? The bird in question merely picked at his beak with a long claw and ignored the pirate. Well, I guess it would be too easy to find a fine pirate ship just sitting here for us to use, wouldn't it? We're not that lucky. Bluebeard turned and began the long hike back to town. He tried to hide his disappointment from the little bird, but he couldn't resist kicking at pine cones that littered the thin trail back to the road. Bluebeard remembered that the old lady at the marketplace had said the bird had never actually led anyone to real treasure. Maybe Mate didn't really know Redbeard after all. He was winding up for a particularly large cone when he heard a bubbling sound behind him. He turned back to the water to see the center of the bay bubbling like an enormous pot of boiling soup. The water churned and seethed, sending foamy white jets of water into the air. From the center of that maelstrom burst an enormous gleaming cylinder of brass and wood. It shot from the water and hung for a moment in the air, then crashed down back into the water until it bobbed gently in the subsiding storm of rushing air and water. Bluebeard watched, amazed. The strange machine before him was obviously not a sailing vessel, as there was no deck or mast. Indeed, the whole of the thing was completely enclosed, looking like an oversized barrel, made of wooden planking and rings of brass to hold it together. This barrel, however, was large enough to hold ten men. With a series of portholes that circled the girth of the thing, it appeared to be some kind of vessel that traveled beneath the water. Bluebeard had never heard of such a thing. Without a mast or sails, and indeed no wind beneath the water, how would it move? As if in answer, the wooden vessel belched a jet of steam from a nozzle set into its side, and it lurched forward, bobbing erratically. Suddenly, the entire back half of the barrel exploded in a mass of wood and brass and superheated steam. Water poured into the barrel, which began to lift dangerously to one side. A hatch at the front of the vessel burst open, reaching the end of its hinges, and bounced back to slam shut again. A feminine voice swore violently and the hatch opened again, more slowly this time. A small figure squeezed through the open hatch and slid down the side of the barrel to the water. By the time the figure had swum to the shore, the final piece of the strange vessel had slipped beneath the water. Only the floating debris of the craft remained. The figure crawled from the water and staggered across the rocky shore to stand in front of Bluebeard. A huge grin creased her soot-smeared face. Did you see that? Tell me you saw that. Wasn't that amazing? Of course, it wasn't meant to explode. I hid a hidden ridge of rock that runs straight through this bay here. It's completely invisible until you're right on it. Damage the aft propulsion nozzle. Steam pressure built up and then bang! <laughs> Nothing you can do except abandon ship. But you saw it, right? It did work. I call it a subaquarial calipaction conveyance. I invented it. No one believed I could do it, but I knew I could make it work. I sailed it all the way from Black Boot Bay. I wanted to see the sunken ship here, the Devil Sword. Maybe find some gold... <laughs> I am so mad! All that work sunk to the bottom of the bay. 
And my dad didn't even see it. He didn't think I could do it. Oh, I'd have loved to show him that, right? Right? Bluebeard stared open-mouthed at the crazed figure in front of him. The girl was probably sixteen or so, with short red hair that was plastered to her head beneath a woolen cap two sizes too large. A rash of brown freckles ran across the bridge of her nose and framed dark eyes. She wore a long coat of oilskin that hung to her knees, dripping water from the many random pockets sewn into the coat. The garment was covered in so many stains and marks it was impossible to determine its original color. The girl blinked at him, waiting for some kind of response from the pirate. Getting nothing, she forced on ahead. My name is Benzie. I'm an inventor. Well, I want to be an inventor because I haven't actually invented anything that works yet, except my subaquarial calefaction conveyance, of course. That worked. Tell me saw it, right? I need someone to tell my dad that I actually invented something. I tried to invent so many things, but none of them quite operate the way I expected. A surprising number of them explode, actually. Is that chicken on your shoulder wearing a dress? The comment roused Bluebeard from his stunned silence, and he turned to address the eccentric young lady. My name be Bluebeard the Pirate, miss. This here fine fowl be my first mate. Don't discount him because he has no feathers. Once they're growing, he'll be a fine-looking parrot. To answer your question, I did see your, uh, conveyance. I saw it explode into an impressive heap that be littering the ocean floor by now. And what in the everlasting maelstrom are you doing out here in the middle of nowhere on an exploding underwater contraption? Shouldn't you be in school? Binzi frowned and turned away to stare at the few remaining pieces of her craft, gently bobbing in the tide. You sound like my dad. Just because I'm young doesn't mean that I can't do great things. Someday, I will be a famous inventor. Then I'll show you all. Well, right now, you'll be littering the bay with driftwood. Bah! What do you know? Nice to meet you, Mr. Pirate with your sorry parrot. Binzi stomped off the narrow path, seawater flinging off her wildly swinging arms as she tramped haughtily away from the bay. Bluebeard watched the girl for a moment, then hurried after the red-haired inventor. Oh, sorry, miss. I, I didn't mean to upset ye. I'd be the last person to tell you not to chase your dreams. I'm doing the same thing, in a way. Bincy grudgingly accepted the apology, and the two walked side by side towards town. What were you doing so far from town, anyway? What were you looking for at Cutthroat Bay? I'd be looking for the dirty bludgeon. A pirate ship hurt to be abandoned in the bay. I'd hope to commandeer the thing for me own uses. Well, I saw nothing there except the sunken ship, the Devil Sword. It's just as well you didn't find a real sailing vessel, of course. Oh? Why is that? How would you sail it without a crew? Would your chicken there be unfurling the sails and tightening the rigging? One person can't manage a sailing vessel all by themselves. Bluebeard suddenly stopped short and made squawked as he fought to keep his balance. Bluebeard hadn't considered that at all. Even if he had found the ship, without a crew, he wouldn't be able to put sail to it anyway. What would he do? Without a crew, he couldn't command a sailing vessel, but no crew would sign up to join a pirate without a ship. Disappointment flooded through him. His grand scheme of becoming a true pirate was unraveling before his eyes. Bluebeard sighed and resumed his slow tread back to town. Binzi had stopped and was watching Bluebeard sympathetically. Sorry. I didn't mean to criticize. Don't give up. We're kindred spirits, you and I. We both dream big, don't we? No matter how hard it is, you have to keep trying. A pirate true will always find treasure of each and every kind. A sturdy ship you can depend, a crew that you can call your friend. Adventures found upon the sea when you strive for all you can be. What is that from? It's the pirate code. My father taught it to me a long time ago. I've never heard it before. Well, it would be a pirate thing. You wouldn't understand. The sound of bootsteps on the road ahead interrupted Binzi's reply. From around a bend in the road, an intimidating, dirty band of pirates trudged towards him. Hulking over them all, Redbeard's coal-black eyes bore down upon Bluebeard. Uh, good, good day to you, Captain. You have something of mine. I want it back. What? No, I, I, I didn't find... That mangy bird you have on your shoulder there. It belongs to me. Mate chose that moment to stiffen on Redbeard's shoulder, then settled down into a replica of Redbeard's towering posture. When he spoke, it was a perfect match for Redbeard's low baritone. Well, Mr. Smithy, I have to admit you've done a fine job of hiding the ship. Nearly have to walk on water to get to it, eh? And Mr. Smithy, 
Get rid of that mangy bird. I feel like it's listening to everything I say. Throw it in the bilge. Mate slumped again and resumed cleaning loose threads from the fabric of his dress. You, uh, you don't want them. You threw them in the bilge. That thing is my property. I'll do whatever I please with it. Give me the bird now and I might let you live out the day. But, but what about the pirate code? What about honor among the pirate community? The only pirate code is where I take what I want, and if I'm feeling generous, I won't leave too many bodies behind. But me father was a pirate on the Wandering Arbuckle. He told me about the pirate code. I know the Wandering Arbuckle. What's your father's name? Abigail. Alexander Abigail. Redbeard roared with laughter, and his pirate crew joined in. <laughs> Abigail was no pirate. The Wandering Arbuckle is a garbage scow. It hauls the refuse out and dumps it away from town. Abigail was the cook. <laughs> did, did he tell you he was a pirate? The closest thing he ever came to buried treasure was digging up mushrooms for dinner. His scow was caught in a hurricane, wasn't it? How heroic to die in a tiny galley surrounded by garbage. Bluebeard's eyes filled with tears. Had his father lied to him? Were all those stories about battling sea monsters and finding buried treasure all a lie? Perhaps just a fantasy told by a bored cook who wanted to impress his son. He hardly noticed as one of the pirates grabbed mate from his shoulder and stuffed the squawking bird into a bag. Redbeard turned to the young inventor and glared at her. And you, go back to your mother. Redbeard turned without another word and strode back up the road towards town, his crew at his heels. Bluebeard collapsed on the stump of a rotten tree on the side of the road and stared at his boots. Binzi watched Redbeard and the others disappear from view and then turned to Bluebeard. I'm sorry. All this time I thought me dad... <clears throat> I uh, thought my dad was a pirate. What are you going to do now? Redbeard took your chicken. I know, I know, but there's nothing I can do about it now. I'm going home. It was dark when the pair finally reached the town's border. They didn't talk much. Both were wary from the long day. The streets in town were nearly deserted and their footfalls echoed on the wet cobblestones. Gas lamps glowing feebly at the street corners left patches of darkness along the quieter streets. Bluebeard finally stopped at the old fish factory, his single room building leaning against the wall of the factory. Well, this is my place then. I'd like to thank you for your help today, young miss. I appreciate the company. Are you going to get your parrot back? No, I don't think so. I'm sure Mate is better off with the real pirate. You're just going to leave him with that pirate? Do you know what he'll do with him? Well, I, uh... If he keeps him around at all, he'll throw your parrot into the darkest, deepest pit he can find on his boat. That bird will never see the light of day again. And you're okay with that, are you? I thought he was your first mate. First mate of what? I don't have a ship or a crew. So what? That little bird depended on you, and right now you are letting him down. What about the pirate code? Bluebeard glared at the young girl. Don't you get it? My father made it all up. You heard, Redbeard, there is no pirate code. There's only lying and cheating and looking out for yourself. It's just a bird. Good luck with your underwater contraptions. Binzi looked like she was going to argue with him further, and she opened her mouth, but nothing came out. Finally, she angrily turned and strode up the street. Bluebeard watched until the girl was out of sight and then turned to open the door to his shack. In truth, he felt horrible about Mate. The thought of that poor little thing stuck in some dank, moldy prison made his stomach clench. What could he do against Redbeard and the entire crew of pirates? The little bird would just have to fend for himself. As he fumbled with the key to his house, something scratched at his thoughts. He was missing something, but he couldn't think what it could be. Something Redbeard had said out on the road. Something about his father or the Wandering Arbuckle? Redbeard had said, I know the Wandering Arbuckle, and the Wandering Arbuckle is a garbage scow. The Wandering Arbuckle is still around? Bluebeard had always thought the ship had sank in the hurricane. Is it possible the old scow was still floating? Despite his aching feet and his wearied legs, Bluebeard turned and hurried down the hill towards the sea. Despite the late hour, it was busy at the harbor. 
Enormous crates of silks and spices and foodstuff were unloaded from the massive sailing vessels, while smaller ships scurried to and fro, ferrying crews or supplies. Towards the far end of the wharf, a horrible stench hit Bluebeard, making his stomach lurch. Plugging his nose, he hurried to the offending vessel, a small, flat barge piled high with garbage. All right, boys, fasten tight those lines. We don't want the Arbuckle wandering off now. Bluebeard squinted at the barge. In the dim light, beneath layers of muck and filth, he could see the faint words, Wandering Arbuckle. Ahoy there, pirate sir. How are you today? What? Is this really the Wandering Arbuckle? That's what's painted on the bow. Do you, Did you know uh, Alexander Abigail? Alex? Sure. Best cook we've ever had on this old heap. And he was a good friend of mine. How do you know him? He, uh, he was my dad. The captain stared astonished for a moment and then leaped off the garbage scow to stand before Bluebeard. Wow, bless my beard. You are little Errol? My name is Blue... Yes, I'm, I'm Errol. Well, come in, come in. We'll sit and have coffee. Seated comfortably in a small sitting room on the Arbuckle, the captain slid a steaming mug across the worn table. Bluebeard sipped from the mug and grimaced. Ah, uh, yeah, well, we haven't had a decent cup of coffee since the hurricane. My word, you do look so much like your father. I don't remember that much of him. How long did he work on this ship? What, what was he like? He was my best friend. For many years. Alex was a man you could always trust to back you up when you needed him. He would never leave a friend behind. That's how he died, you know. We were caught in a hurricane, but he refused to get below decks until he had helped every last one of the crew down to the cabin. He was washed overboard when we were hit by a wave that nearly capsized the whole ship. He was a good, dependable friend. And made a terrific omelette, eh? eh? Bluebeard thought that after all those years that he was immune to the twist in his heart at the thought of his father's death. But to finally hear the truth about him after all these years brought back the grief and loneliness fresh and sharp. Intermingled with that sense of loss, though, a certain resentment lingered. I uh, always thought he was a pirate. Bluebeard expected the captain to laugh at him or his father, but he leaned back against his chair and stared at him sadly for a moment before answering. Ah, yes, there was that. Your father loved the idea of being a pirate. He wanted to live out in the open sea, battle sea monsters, find buried treasure. He wanted to feel the wind whip his face, taste the tangy sea air as he stood tall on the bowsprit of some old pirate ship. It was all he talked about when he wasn't talking about you, son. Bluebeard's heart ached. He knew the feeling. He wanted that same thing deep in his bones. He wanted that so badly he felt like it would scream out of him if he didn't keep it cinched tight. His father had felt the same way. Why did he stay a cook on the garbage cow if he only really wanted to be a pirate? I said he loved the idea of being a pirate. The reality is a mite different. Real pirates don't battle sea monsters or find buried treasure. There's no profit in it. The quickest and easiest way to fill your coffers with gold is to steal it from others weaker than you. Your father wouldn't have any part of that, so he found honest work that still let him spend some time out on the open sea. <laughs> he used to stand out on the bow of the Arbuckle and pretend to be a pirate captain when we were sailing into port. <laughs> we used to tease him something awful for that, but he didn't care. I guess he wanted you to have that same sense of adventure he had had. Maybe he wanted you to become a kind of pirate he always dreamed of but could never do himself. And it looks like you succeeded. You certainly looked the part. Or have you fallen in with the wrong crowd? You're not some bullying pirate, are you? No. No, I'm not a bully. And I'm not a pirate. I work at a bakery. Ah, nothing wrong with a good, honest job. You'd be an honest man who is true to his friends, and your father would be right proud, no matter what your line of work. Bluebeard's stomach lurched again, though not because of the smell of the garbage on the ship. Maybe his father hadn't been a pirate, but he had always looked to his friends, no matter the consequences. Bluebeard had left his friends, abandoned them when it was no longer convenient. Bluebeard suddenly didn't want to talk about his father anymore. Thanks for the coffee. I, I should get going. Absolutely, my young friend. It was a real treat to see, I'm telling you. You come back and see me any time, okay? Bluebeard bid farewell to the captain of the wandering Arbuckle and returned to his room, where he lay down on his bed. He found he kind of missed the gentle snoring of the little featherless bird. It was well past midnight before he at last fell asleep. Bluebeard was woken early the next morning by a muffled banging on his door. Fumbling, Bluebeard dressed and staggered to the door. He opened it to Binzi's furious glare. 
You are a coward. Mate might just be a parrot, but he doesn't deserve the life he's had. He deserves better. He certainly deserves a better friend, and if you aren't going to rescue him from Redbeard Chip, then I will. You're right. Just because you... I'm sorry. What? You are right. I haven't been a good friend. I would be honored if you would help me get Mate back. I have an idea of how we can do it, too. Does it look like I'm walking on water? Bluebeard stood in the center of Cutthroat Bay. Surrounded by water, Bluebeard appeared to be standing on nothing, somehow supported so only his boots were wet. He turned and waved to Binzi on the shore. Reassured that Bluebeard wasn't about to disappear beneath the waves, Binzi stepped out into the water, careful to follow Bluebeard's path exactly. Once she reached the pirate, he turned and flashed a triumphant grin. At first I thought Meat didn't really know any of Redbeard's secrets, but then why would he go to such trouble to find Mate and hide him away? I figured Mate must have been right about the dirty bludgeon being here in the Cutthroat Bay, but it was hidden somehow. Then Mate said something about walking on water, and I remembered you said a hidden ridge ran all the way across the bay. I didn't want to say anything until I found it, but this ridge seems to run just under the surface of the water, right across the bay. It's narrow and slippery, but we can walk it okay. Maybe this path leads to the ship somewhere. Bluebeard continued his careful tread along the ridge until he faced the cliffs that rose out of the water on the far side of the bay. The sheer cliffs rose unbroken hundreds of feet above his head. As he walked, though, he noticed a thin black line that rose like a jagged scar up the cliff face. Moving further along the ridge, the black line thickened to a fissure in the rock, which then grew to a gap in the cliffs. There's something there! As Bluebeard followed the ridge towards the cliff, the gap grew larger until a little cove came into view, buried in the cliff face. Completely hidden from any other vantage point, a trim pirate ship, fully rigged and waiting, sat primly in the concealed cove. When viewed from any other spot in Cutthroat Bay, the rocks surrounding the little cove blended perfectly together, so it appeared to be an unbroken cliff. You can only see it from here, but, but there it is! The dirty bludgeon! We found it! Once Bluebeard and Binzi had climbed on board, they set to work fixing up the little sailing vessel. Despite the time unattended in the hidden cove, the ship was in decent shape. Bluebeard walked the length of the hundred-foot sailing craft, savoring the feeling of walking at well could be his own pirate ship. Binzi poked her head up from the cabin and reported to Bluebeard. The hull is in good shape, and the bilge is nearly dry. No leaks to speak of at all. We're pretty lucky she's in as good a shape as she is. A little work on the rigging and we'll be good to go. If we're going to rescue your little chicken... Parrot, thank you. You'll need to sneak aboard Black Death. I have no idea how you'll do that. I have an idea. I can get on that ship. Fine. I'll need some time to get the ship ready. In two days, I'll run us alongside Redbeard's ship, the Black Death, at sunset. You be ready to jump off the Black Death with the chicken in tow, because I can't stay alongside for very long. Once you're on board, we set sail and try to get as far away from Redbeard and his crew as we can. How can just the two of us sail this ship? You said yourself we need a crew of 15 to 20 sailors to get us running. Where are we going to find ourselves a crew on such short notice? No sailor in his right mind would defy Redbeard. We won't be getting a crew. Don't worry. I'll take care of it. Thanks for your help, and okay? It, it means a lot to me. You can thank me when we're done this mess. Good luck, and see you in two days. Redbeard the pirate was in a terrible rage. The crew, normally hardened to his fiery temper, trembled as they prepared the ship for voyage. They had hoped that Redbeard's frightful temper would abate somewhat when he found his old parrot, but after two days he was as cantankerous as ever. Mr. Smithy, what's taking those maggots so long? We should be underway. We're on schedule, sir. We should be underway by sunset, as you've requested. We'd better be on time or I'll keel haul the entire bunch. Start fresh with a new crew! One that can rig a decent sail! Stumpy, what are you doing? We'll be away on time, sir, don't worry. Fine. Smithy, come with me. Without checking to see if Smithy was following, Redbeard stomped down the quarterdeck and entered the cabin. The hulking figure nimbly ducked under low rafters and descended the narrow staircase to the crew quarters. Water seeped through the hull on this deck, dripping off the wall and collecting in narrow channels cut into the floor. The wood floor was slippery here as a thin layer of slime grew under the little rivulets of water. 
The cramped deck was filled with dirty and worn hammocks for the crew to sleep in, though all were currently empty. Redbeard didn't pause in the sleeping quarters, but strode on to the other side to a small trap door set in the floor. With a groan muffled by his thick beard, Redbeard heaved up the trap door and slipped through the hole to the space beneath. Grimacing, Smithy followed, stepping down into the bilge. Smithy cursed as water flowed over the cuffs and filled his boots with dank water. The bilge was nearly pitch black, and the smell of rotted fish was nearly overwhelming. A hulking shadow, hunched double to fit beneath the low beam, stopped at a small wooden chest hanging from the ceiling. Redbeard lit an oil lamp, which crackled feebly, casting flickering shadows on the hull of the Black Death. He produced a small key from an inside pocket and opened the chest. A tiny bird, featherless and bizarrely dressed in a small cotton dress, blinked tiredly at them, trying to adjust to the sudden light. Redbeard leaned in close to the bird, the light from the oil lamp accentuating the shadows of his eyes and mouth, making his face look like a skull. Where is the treasure of Moideris? The small parrot lay down again, disinclined to answer him. Where is it? I've never heard of the Moideris treasure. What is it? Several years ago, before you joined my crew, we stumbled upon an entire fleet of Spanish cargo ships. They had been escorted by some of the finest navy ships in the Spanish fleet, but a storm had separated them, leaving these cargo ships completely unprotected. With nothing to guard them from the likes of us, they all surrendered when we raised our gun ports and threatened to blow them out of the water. We took so much loot from those ships we could barely keep the Black Death above water. Without a doubt, it was the biggest haul of any pirate ever. But I couldn't just sail into port with all this gold. I elected to hide the treasure among a group of islands to the north. We spent a month among those islands, creating the most devious hiding place ever constructed. We dug hundreds of pits, set up thousands of traps until even the crew didn't know which island hid treasure and which held certain doom. My plan was to return to that treasure every year and retrieve enough gold to buy me a new ship until I had a fleet that could dominate the seas. No one could stand to me, be it another pirate or an entire country's navy. I would be unstoppable. Redbeard stopped then and glared at the still-prone parrot. Smithy waited a few moments until curiosity overwhelmed him. Well, what happened? Why haven't you returned to the treasure? I lost the map. I was looking at the map, reading out loud to myself when we were attacked by Black-Eyed Pete. In my haste to go topside to fight the mangy dog, I didn't realize the map had caught on my sleeve. As soon as I stood on deck, the wind blew the map off the boat and into the water. I watched that map sink below the surface, never to be seen again. And you can't remember where the treasure was hidden? I've tried. I returned to the group of islands and sent members of my crew into the pits that I could remember. None of them ever returned. Without that map, no one in a thousand years could get to that treasure. So with the map gone, the treasure's lost then. So I thought. Until I remembered this miserable bird. I read the map out loud, you get it? Somewhere in that little pea brain are the instructions to my treasure, and I'm going to get it. Where is the treasure? This time, the little creature didn't even lift his head. He simply lay in the wooden chest, shivering slightly in the damp air. You can rot down here until you tell me. Smithy, you stay here and figure out how to get these instructions. You, you want me to stay here, in the bilge? Is there a problem with that? I want those instructions. <sighs> yes, sir. Redbeard's warning to get the treasure or else was interrupted by a thumping on the side of the vessel and sounds of shouting. Redbeard settled for glaring menacingly at Smithy, and then he stalked out of the bilge. Once topside, Redbeard discovered the cause of the commotion. A garbage scow sitting low in the water beneath a weight of refuse had come alongside and attached itself to the Black Death. The captain of the garbage scow is insisting he talk to you, sir. What do you want? No, sir, I am my way. All slow-moving barges have the right of way in this harbor. I insist you heave to and allow me to pass. Redbeard stared astonished at the barge captain's insolence. We're not even moving. We're still at anchor here in the harbor. Now move your stinking heap away from my ship before I open gun ports and blast you to little pieces. Oh, sorry, sir. My, my mistake. Thank you, sir. The captain bowed once and scurried off the deck to the wheelhouse, calling to his filthy crew to cast off lines attached to the Black Death. Once out of sight from the massive pirate ship, however, the captain stopped and whispered over the railing. You're all clear, son. Once aboard the Black Death, you'll need to find your way down to the bilge. Good luck. 
Bluebeard strained to look up at the captain. He was precariously perched on the side of the wandering arbuckle, holding fast to a rope connecting the old garbage scow with Redbeard's pirate vessel. Thanks for your help, Captain. Anything for a friend. Bluebeard nodded, then swung his legs onto the rope and shimmied up towards the upper deck of the Black Death. Arms burning from the strain, Bluebeard reached the railing of the pirate vessel and carefully eased himself over. For a moment, he savored the feeling of standing on the deck of Redbeard's pirate ship. Bluebeard had once hoped he would be on board as a member of the crew, hoisting lines and hauling anchor. He never imagined he'd be sneaking on board to rescue a bird. Oi! You there! What are you doing up there? You should be helping with the preparations. The captain finds you laying about, he'll kill Haya for sure. Oh, uh, sorry, I, uh... Hey, I don't know you, do I? Uh, I'm new here, see, I just started. Ah, new, are you? Good. First day on board, you get the best job. Go down to the bilge and man the pump. Clear out all the water down there. Don't come back till it's dry, get it? Uh, y yes, sir. Bluebeard couldn't believe his luck. He hadn't been sure how he would get past all the sailors and sneak down to the bilge to rescue Mate. Now it appeared he didn't have to sneak at all. Bluebeard grinned. This was going to be easier than he thought. Bluebeard tossed off a sloppy salute to the sailor and scrambled up over the deck to the cabin. Bluebeard marveled at the chaos all around him. Sailors scrambled over the ship like ants on an anthill. They climbed over the rigging that hung from the three tall masts like spider webs. Sails were unfurled. Long lengths of rope were coiled and foodstuffs and supplies were hauled down into the storage areas under the deck. Bluebeard stared in rapt fascination as he reveled in the pandemonium. Aye, get going! Bluebeard hurried across the deck to the floor of the cabin. Once inside, he stepped down rough wooden stairs to the crew quarters, then through to the trap door set on the floor. Bluebeard eased himself through and into the bilge. Blinking to clear his eyes from the stench, Bluebeard spotted a thin man hunched over a small wooden crate suspended from the ceiling. Uh, what do you want? Uh, Captain Redbeard wants you. He, he told me to watch the bird while you're gone. He told you to look after the bird? Uh, I have a way with animals. Fine. It'll be good to get out of here. I'll be back in a minute. Aye, sir. Mr. Smithy waded through the muck to the trap door and disappeared into the crew quarters. Bluebeard turned and peered into the small crate. Mate, lying on his side, warily turned his head to look at the newcomer. Recognizing Bluebeard, the little bird squawked and leaped up, flapping his tiny chicken wings excitedly. Come on, little one, we're leaving. With Mate perched safely on his shoulder, Bluebeard waded back to the trap door and climbed out of the bilge and into the crew quarters. Bluebeard was dismayed to see that most of the crew had returned to their quarters. It was mealtime, as most of the crew sat on crates and barrels gnawing on chunks of dried meat. They looked a rough group. They laughed and pushed at each other, mostly picking on the newer crew members. Bluebeard had no idea how to get past them all with the little bird on his shoulder. Hey, what are you doing? Bluebeard started. He had been staring at the crew, not realizing they had already noticed him. Hey, a new recruit. You done pumping out the bilge there, landlubber? The other pirates laughed, and several threw pieces of dried bread and meat to Bluebeard. Uh, excuse me, mates, I just need to get through here. The pirates closed ranks, blocking the way. You ain't going nowhere, landlubber. Maybe you need more time in the bilge. Hey, what's that thing on your shoulder? The pirates had finally noticed a thin, dress-wearing bird tucked in close to Bluebeard's neck. Aye, let me see that little bird. Does it talk? Would it taste good roasting on a spit? Oh, don't mind him. Bluebeard felt mate stiffen on his shoulder as the little bird settled into the now familiar menacing posture. Oh no. Mate opened his mouth and in Redbeard's frightening voice bellowed at the sailors. You lily-livered dogs, you lot should be all keel-hauled. I've never seen such a miserable bunch of misfit sailors in all my life. This little bird here knows more about sailing the seas than you pathetic miserable scraps. Get off your lazy hindquarters and get to work, you bunch of bilge rats. Oi, that's brilliant. He sounds just like the captain. Hey, do it again. Tell us another one. Uh, I have to go on deck now, but we'll come back in a minute, all right? The men blocking their path moved aside and allowed Bluebeard to pass. Many reached out to give a gentle pat on Mate's head. Yeah, hey, you lily-livered dogs. <laughs> yeah, bunch of bilge rats. <laughs> Bluebeard reached the stairs to the upper deck and nearly flew to the top. They had made it. Only a few more yards and they'd be free and clear. Binzi would be out there in the misty evening to pick them up and they'd be off and running with their full crew. 
Bluebeard slowly opened the hatch to the deck. He grimaced as the door creaked noisily. The deck was empty, the crew still below laughing uproariously. Bluebeard sneaked out along the cabin wall, avoiding any open areas. Only yards to go. Darting from the cabin wall to the railing, he peered through the gloom, looking for the dirty bludgeon. A thick fog had rolled into the harbor. Bluebeard could hardly see beyond the railing, let alone spot another sailing vessel. Where was she? What had happened? Would she even be able to find them in this fog? Bluebeard was considering escaping on a dinghy attached to the Black Death when he was interrupted by a deep voice behind him. I thought I told you you would never be allowed on my ship, Baker. Bluebeard turned nervously to face the captain. Redbeard had always seemed cantankerous. His face turned in a permanent scowl. This time, he looked positively murderous. I don't want any trouble now. I just want to leave with the bird. That bird is mine, and you will never leave this ship alive. Now, now look here. Let's not say anything we'll regret now. Slowly, Bluebeard edged sideways, hands feeling the railing behind him. My only regret is I didn't run you through when I first met you, Baker. What, did you think if you had a bird on your shoulder, that would make you a pirate? You are a fool. Mate chose that moment to straighten up and settle in that now familiar posture. When the little bird opened its mouth, Redbeard's voice emerged. The largest treasure in a thousand years and I've hidden it perfectly. Only a fool would try to get through those traps without this map. Soon I'll command a fleet of ships. Then Mate slumped down again and huddled in his little dress, trying to keep warm. You do know where my treasure is. I knew it. Give the bird to me. Bluebeard continued to edge sideways until the railing behind him suddenly stopped, leaving an open space behind him. Bluebeard squeezed his eyes shut in frustration. He had certainly heard the expression, walk the plank, before. A long board was extended out from the side of the ship, and the unfortunate sailor was forced to walk to the very end. Under threat from the captain, the poor soul would jump from the plank to fall many yards down to the unforgiving sea far below. With his foot, Bluebeard could feel the long plank already in place. Give me the bird, or you walk the plank, Baker. You have caused me enough trouble, you buffoon. You are an embarrassment to pirates everywhere with your puffy shirt and ridiculous pirate code. I'm going to make sure you don't embarrass a fine name of pirate ever again. Redbeard pulled from his belt a long, evil-looking sword. It made a hissing rasp as it withdrew from its scabbard. Bluebeard cursed himself for forgetting that important piece of pirate equipment, though he would have no idea how to use one himself. Slowly, he backed away from the wicked point of the sword onto the plank. Mate squawked in protest as Bluebeard slipped on the slimy board. No, it's you that's an embarrassment. You're not a pirate. You're just a thief. You have no honor, no friends, and no one to mourn you when you're gone. The only legacy you will leave behind will be the relief of thousands that are glad you've died. I may not be mean, and I might not have a peg leg, but my father taught me what a real pirate is. I'll have a crew that trusts me and friends that will be there when I need them. You, you will always be alone. The Black Death shook slightly as something bumped it, and Bluebeard fought to keep his balance on the narrow plank. As though floating in the air, Binzi slowly materialized through the fog, and the dirty bludgeon coasted in beside the Black Death. Sorry I'm late. Ready to go? You! What are you doing here? Oh, hi, Daddy. What? Redbeard is your dad? Bluebeard stumbled again on the slick plank, but Binzi caught his arm and helped him step to the deck of the dirty bludgeon. Finally on board his own fully functioning pirate vessel, Bluebeard waved as he coasted on past Redbeard's ship. Get back here! I demand you return that bird or I'll blow you from the waters! Sorry, Captain. Looks like you lost this one. Binzi, set sail. Aye, aye, Captain! Bluebeard grinned. He could get used to this. As her father bellowed to his crew below to set sail, Binzi returned to her ship's wheel. Beside her, mounted on a host of smaller panels set into the deck were an assortment of levers and dials, buttons and pipes. What is all this? We don't have a crew to man all the stations, so I'll have to control it all from here. The whole ship is steam-powered. Oh, all right, but try not to blow us up, okay? Well, I can't make any promises. Binzi yanked on a large red lever and worked on a gear set into the deck. Steam burst from several vents set into the deck as small wheels attached to the railing started spinning. The rope lines hissed across the deck as slack was taken up until they pulled tight on the sails. Seven sails spread out across three masts snapped open and billowed out like pillows as the sea breeze caught the white fabric. Immediately the dirty bludgeon leaped forward, pushed ahead by the wind. I can't believe it worked! We're doing it! It's working! 
Within minutes, Bluebeard's ship cleared the harbor and entered out into the open sea, leaving the thick mist behind them. Before Bluebeard could revel in the feeling of captaining his own ship, an explosion sounded behind him. What was that? Benzi had no time to respond before he was answered by a muffled thump as a cannonball exploded in the water a few scant yards behind the dirty bludgeon. They're shooting at us! Not far behind, the Black Death burst from the fog bank, straining to catch up to Bluebeard. Every sail, every last scrap of fabric hung from the mast in an effort to gain distance on the escaping vessel. As Bluebeard watched, the pirate ship veered sharply to one side, exposing the open gun ports. Puffs of smoke in the gun ports clearly demonstrated their intentions as cannonballs roared in a low arc towards them. The cannonballs exploded in the water behind them. They're shooting at us! We have to go faster! Wait a moment! This will take some time! First locking the wheel, Binzi bolted down the deck. She slid the last few yards before dropping through an open hatch. We, uh, we don't have any time! As Bluebeard watched, the pirate ship drew closer and closer. Several of the sailors had climbed out onto the bowsprit, hoping to be the first to jump onto the escaping ship. Within seconds, they would have several angry sailors with knives on board. Bluebeard cursed again his lack of weapons. And there, standing on deck looking murderous, Captain Redbeard stood, sword in hand. He swiped his curved sword back and forth, warming up his sword arm for his confrontation with Bluebeard. Bluebeard swore he could actually see steam rising gently off the angry captain. Slowly but inexorably, Redbeard's pirate ship neared closer and closer, until the bowsprit nearly touched their stern. Binzi suddenly popped up from an open hatch on the deck. That should do it, I think. Uh, we aren't going any faster. What are we going to do? Just wait! Pull on that lever, please. Bluebeard pulled on a long lever as Binzi spun a wheel set into the deck. Every dial on the panels surrounding Binzi flipped over to the red, and the whole ship shuddered as jets of steam erupted behind them. Bluebeard was nearly knocked over by the sudden burst of speed, but held tight onto the railing. Hurriedly, he tucked Mate into an inner pocket, fearing the little bird would not be able to maintain his grip on his shoulder. Craning his neck around, Bluebeard peered behind him. The sudden burst of speed had left the Black Death behind, but Redbeard had ordered the Black Death to turn again to train the gun ports on the fleeing vessel. At this close range, they would be easy targets for the exploding cannonballs. A geyser of steam erupted from either side of the dirty bludgeon. Bluebeard leaned over the side and watched a complicated arrangement of wood and canvas unfold from the side of the vessel. It wasn't until the machinery had fully extended that Bluebeard realized what it was. Uh, wings? You put wings on my ship? Even from a distance, Bluebeard could hear Redbeard as he roared to his crew to destroy them at all costs. The dirty bludgeons shuddered again as explosions rocked the fleeing boat. The Black Death was firing on them now, cannonballs arcing through the short distance to land just beside them. They wouldn't miss for long. Even at their current high speed, they were still easy targets. The deck of the dirty bludgeon suddenly slanted crazily, and Bluebeard slid several yards before grabbing hold of the railing anew. The bow of the vessel slowly lifted up until the front half of the ship rose above the water. The wood and canvas wings on either side groaned as they took the weight of the vessel, but they held as more and more of the ship lifted from the water. Finally, with agonizing slowness, the dirty bludgeon broke free of the water and soared up into the air, far beyond the reach of Redbeard the pirate. Bluebeard stood with a foot balanced on the railing, gazing out at the horizon. One hand gripped the shrouds extending from the mizzenmast, while the other rested gently on his bent knee. A steady breeze blew through his hair and gently ruffled the puffy sleeves of his shirt. His parrot sat on the pirate's shoulder, eyes closed and stubby wings extended as if he were flying over the sparkling ocean, not the hundred-foot pirate vessel they stood upon. Well, don't you look like a pirate? Maybe I do. I have a ship, a good crew, and a strong wind at my back. A fine beginning for a piratey career, don't you think? So now what? What little sleepy town do you want to pillage and rob first? No, no, none of that. We're going a new way. We're not thieves after all, we're pirates. Our first mate here knows something about the largest treasure in a thousand years. I'd like to see a treasure like that, wouldn't you? Binzi grinned and looked out at the water far below them. The white peaks of the waves sparkled like dewdrops in the setting sun. So, where shall I point the dirty bludgeon next? Well, first I think it's time for a renaming. A pirate ship should have a noble, honorable name. I think we'll call it the Alex Abigail after my father. Aye, aye, sir. What are your orders then, sir? Well, I guess we should... <clears throat> Look alive, you scurvy dogs! Hoist the mainsail, batten the hatches, tighten the rigging and turn two degrees portwise. None of that makes any sense. We're flying a thousand yards above the water. Come on, work with me here. Just 
head towards Minnow Island. Weigh the anchor! Climb the foremast! Swab the deck! <laughs> Aye, sir! Getting right on it, sir! Yes, sir! Wings flapping gently in the breeze, the Alex Abigail sailed up over the low-lying clouds that dotted the crystalline sea, soaring towards the largest and most dangerous pirate treasure in a thousand years. Written and read by Michael Taylor. Additional voices provided by Jackie Lazon, Natalie Swerda, Jen Sidlowski, and Monique Parker. This story and audio reading is protected by the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 Unported License. This means that you are welcome to share this audio with others, but you cannot alter the audio nor use it for commercial purposes. Please subscribe to Story Hour Audio on iTunes or visit www.storyhouraudio.com for other exciting Story Hour adventures.